Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and Jack Harper. No Sean Shoot again this week, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that is the case. And uh, he hasn't actually sent me his picks this week, as he hasn't watched the films, so make your own judgement there also. Does mean there won't be any ties, so if there's a film that is just the preference this week, then... It might be a struggle. Well, it will be a, a bad week for them because they can't get by on the tiebreaker. So every point really does count this week. Another star clash. We've got 1999's The Matrix up against 1991's The Last Boy Scout. How is everyone doing today? Very well, mate. <coughs> very yeah, well. Mate, thank Not you. just well, very well. Ah, very well. That The news, the roadmap, I'm quite pleased with it. Wow. I just want to get in a bit. Any of news on you? Any news on you going back to put some graft in, or? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not as of yet. I imagine it'll be when the pubs reopen. So I would suspect so. To be fair, mate. Fingers so probably... around the twelfth of April, I may be working again. I say, it won't be that long. I had my year anniversary of getting the job last week, <laughs> and I've worked for four months. <laughs> well. Um... For the Matrix, the synopsis. When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil evil cyber intelligence. So, they've chucked in beautiful stranger there, just in case the rest of the synopsis wasn't enough to seal the deal. They're going to try and reel people in with it being a beautiful stranger. Get them into the cinema. For those that have seen any of the Marvel TV shows, and if you go back and watch The Matrix now and think that uh, Trinity looks familiar, she plays uh, Jerry in uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist. So there you go, because I saw her again and thought, weirdly familiar. And then it's obviously just about 20 years down the line, which is why I couldn't quite work it out. But anyway, critics' reviews. How are you thinking they took the Matrix? I I don't know if it's going to be one of those like Shawshanks where it wasn't appreciated when it came out and then it just became huge. I don't know because it's such an odd concept that no one's thought of before. It's coined the phrase. Yeah, and there's a glitch in the Matrix. On that. Like um, that's how big it is. Like other TV programs use the same one. Well, so here we go. Whoa. A film that without a doubt left its mark on cinema and pop culture. One of the best sci-fi films of all time. Uh, the Wachowskis have borrowed bits from here, there and everywhere. And they've ended up creating a two-hour and 15-minute jumble of cultural and philosophical references with violence to spare, but precious little clarity or logic. The Matrix embedded itself in pop culture so thoroughly that it's easy to forget how different it was when it first arrived. Is that like a re kind of master or something with you? Yeah, well, it, it, I've got some trivia, which I can tell you now. Basically, um, 
it wasn't until it came out on DVD that people were able to see it in the way that they saw it at the cinema. So the quality was so different from the uh, cinema release um, in picture to the video release. That, I, uh, I remember that came this. out again. Yeah, and there was quite a big thing about it. And then subsequently, it's done the Blu-ray 4K thing. So yeah, I remember this because I had it on VHS. It was one of the first films I ever had on VHS, and I was just all over it. It was like my favourite film ever. I watched it like, every Saturday night. <laughs> Well, this um, was 99, Keenan, so you weren't watching this when you were about three, were you, after what we were hearing last week? No, no, I think uh, <laughs> sci-fi was probably beyond the, beyond the reach of our grant, mate. Weren't for him. Um, the effects are astonishing. It's funny, it's dark, it's smart, and it's filled with guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> A landmark film that quite possibly is the ultimate expression of cyberpunk. Keanu is now the face of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, it exemplifies the idea that a sufficiently cool outcome justifies all of the tortured narrative it takes to get there. They they weren't a fan of their own time, clearly. No. I, th- it, I, I feel everything is needed in this film. I don't feel there's any bits that I would like to chop out of it because you need the Jeopardy... Um, with the guys going to the agents and the agents being these unbeatable beings. I just find it so fascinating that it's almost like you've just got to believe in Neo and they all believe in him. He's got to believe in himself and all of that. And it's how he gets there. I think it's fascinating. I, I actually, I don't know Keenan's thoughts on this. He watched it for the first time ever uh, last night. And uh, I'll give my take on it once we've done the, the trivia. So, I'll keep you on tenterhooks. Um, the Matrix is fun, and while it may confuse you the first time around, a second viewing is really required to get the full entertainment value out of it. Looks a lot. So it looks very similar to the same reviews that they gave to Inception. Yeah. Ten years later, um, there's not much humour to keep it all life size, and by the final stretch, it's become bloated, mechanical, and tiresome. The Matrix grabs you by the eyeballs, hypnotises you into a state of visual ecstasy and doesn't much care if your brain is following or not. The most influential action movie since Star Wars. And finally, an ambitious, perception-bending metaphor for life at the end of the 20th century. doesn't always make sense, but it seems to make sense, which is the key thing in science fiction. Yeah. That is so true, that is. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) It kind of mock that don't they in uh, Endgame whenever Hulk is uh, revealing all of the science behind whatever they're doing and they kind of just nod away and have to then simplify it ten times which is essentially what they do in all sci-fi films Yeah, chuck the words in like it's uh, Russell Brand about three years ago every time he did an interview where it was just ridiculous using about ten more words needed every time and then have a little sentence at the end which just summarises it all. Yeah. Trivia, as you could expect, there is a, a fair bit for The Matrix, so I'll just... Uh, there we go. Um, the opening action scene took six months of training and four days to shoot. Jeez. Again, it goes to those things, though, that that must be so much fun to do. Yeah, although <laughs> if you're taking a beating while doing it, which I imagine... Uh, 
they were taking some licks filming some of these then they may have thought otherwise um all scenes that take place within the matrix have a green tint as if watching them through a computer monitor scenes in the real world have a blue tint blue was also used at a minimum in the matrix scenes since the directors thought the blue was more of a real world color despite ironically blue being the least often occurring color in nature so the fight scene between Morpheus and Neo, which is neither in the real world nor in the Matrix, that's why they uh, tinted it yellow. Uh-huh. To prepare for the scene in which Neo wakes up in the pod, Keanu Reeves lost 15 pounds and shaved his whole body to give him an emaciated look. That is freaky in a sense, because obviously... I, I, I that made me feel ill when I was younger. I was eating the first time I watched it and it put me off my dinner. So, when, obviously, I had it on VHS, and like I said, I used to watch it every weekend as, like, a 10-year-old. Um, and obviously, when I was ill in hospital, I woke up, like, about three weeks after, like, going in. And I, I was on a life support machine and ventilator, and I was on fucked up on morphine and whatever else I was on. And I thought I was in the Matrix. So, I was having, <laughs> I was having these hallucinations that... Um, there was like speech bubbles describing what the nurses were doing and all sorts when they were walking around the intensive care ward and I had this ventilator down my throat and because I thought I was in the Matrix and in the Matrix he pulls it out um, so he could breathe it was the same thing so I pulled my own ventilator out which is why my voice is the way it is because it ripped my vocal cords on the way out so that's a bit of Jack Harper trivia Christ so I, thought, I actually genuinely thought I was in the Matrix I, I actually as well because my parents weren't there when they came to visit me when I woke up I was asking them all kinds of questions that only they would know because I was convinced they were projections <laughs> of the matrix Christ well Mental. maybe the biggest sin of all of it is uh, Keanu Reeves shaved off a great head of hair for that scene yeah I, I was thinking that because did they just film that right at the end so he did all that, of that, that is the last scene they filmed yeah yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the studio insisted on a great deal of explanatory dialogue as they described the screenplay as the script that nobody understands. Um, trivia, which most people have heard before, but this may give a, a greater understanding. So Will Smith was approached to play Neo, but turned down the offer to start in Wild Wild West. He later admitted that at the time he wasn't mature enough as an actor, and if given the role, he would have messed it up. Um, he says he has no regrets saying that Keanu was great obviously Um, Sandra Bullock was offered the role of Trinity but she turned it down because Will Smith was in the film I don't know if they had beef or (laughs) what what was going on there Um, she regretted her decision because had she been cast she obviously would have teamed up with Keanu Reeves and reunited from Speed which is uh, next week's film so I'll link in there um in the first 45 minutes of the film, Neo has 80 lines. 44 of them are questions. Um, Neo averages one question per minute in the film. Again, so that, that a... kind of adds into it with the sequels, doesn't it? Where he is then all-knowing, essentially. <laughs> he gathers all this information. He just knows Life it. would be easier if you could just download the data like they just program jujitsu into it. Oh, I'd love it. Sorted. Numerous sets of identical twins were cast as extras in the woman in red scene, in which Morpheus takes Neo through a computer simulation of the Matrix. Um, 
for example, the tall man with slick back hair and sunglasses in the opening shot is seen a few seconds later as a police officer writing a parking ticket. Um, by the middle of 2002, the famous bullet time sequence had been spoofed over in over 20 different movies. Yeah, and like so that's within three years. <laughs> yeah, again, it was like, iconic, wasn't it? It's was yeah. something that you've never seen done before, really. Well, anyone idea... that had a leather jacket that was remotely lower than your waist was <laughs> yeah. just christened as Neo, including a kid that went to our school. Yeah, tons. Um, the iconic sunglasses worn by the characters were made by cultish label Blind, which uh, prides itself on producing handmade glasses. So they went head to head with um, Ray-Ban and Arnett and actually won the, the contract for the film, which was huge, obviously, going against those, those giants. And what they did is uh, they flew out the company's founder, Richard Walker, and they made a little shop for him um, in Sydney where he could be close to the set. And he just spent the duration of the film just custom designing sunglasses for the entire cast. No way. Yeah, they set him up in a little booth um, in the back of uh, uh, Oxford Street uh, optometrist. Uh, I nailed that earlier and the word looks a bit funky now, but you know what I mean. Yeah. That's um, amazing. Yeah, prior to the production, um, Keanu Reeves suffered a level two fusion of his cervical spine, which had began to cause paralysis in his legs. So he had to undergo neck surgery right before. Um, he was still recovering by the time uh, pre-production rolled around, but he insisted on training because he really didn't want to lose the role. Um, so the coordinator, Wu Ping Yen, great name, let him practice the, the punches and lighter moves. He trained hard even on his off days, but because of how bad his back was, he could barely kick, which is why when you watch the film back, despite it being kind of martial arts style fight scenes, I think he throws maybe one kick in the film yeah. because they just couldn't risk injuring him. I guess it's that one at the end, isn't it, where he's fighting Agent Smith? And yeah, they put literally as, as little as they could in there. Yeah. And I guess that's why it's so memorable, the way he kind of yeah. <laughs> draws his leg round. Um, many producers have done interviews since talking about the kind of casting what-ifs. Uh, some of the other names, they say that um, Johnny Depp was uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski's uh, first choice for Neo. Uh, the studio wanted Brad Pitt or Val Kilmer um, so they went to Kilmer and Pitt first. They both said no. Um, so Warner Brothers then said that they would consider Johnny Depp. And apparently it came down to Johnny Depp and Keanu Reeves. Um, and the studio still wanted Johnny Depp then. Um, I don't think Keanu, that... Sorry. No, you go, mate. You go. Yeah. Sorry to... Keanu Reeves, basically, um, he asked so many questions about the concept and he really bought into it. And he went and got all these books that he... Uh, Wachowski's recommended and he was able to go into it and break down the different theories of time and the, uh, all the theories that kind of surrounded the film and really impressed them. So they then went out of their way to say that he was their guy. Yeah, honestly, I don't think The Matrix is the same without Keanu Reeves as Neo. I don't see anyone else being Neo. No. Um, well, here's, here's another one that 
also the studio wanted to get in before uh, Keanu Reeves. So it does seem was a last resort by the looks of things. <laughs> so Ewan McGregor turned down the role of Neo because he was filming Star Wars Episode One. God, that makes me feel old. Um, both movies would then compete against each other for best visual effects in the Academy Awards and the, and the Matrix One. So that is impressive. Ewan McGregor as uh, as, as uh, Neo would have been interesting. Very interesting. Um, in on, in an online interview when the film was first released, the Wachowskis revealed that they'd both take the blue pill when given Neo's choice. Um, Filming the scene where Neo slammed uh, Smith into the ceiling, Chad Stahelski, our guy, Keanu Reeves' stunt double, sustained several injuries, including broken ribs, knees, dislocated shoulder, and another stuntman was injured by a hydraulic puller during a shot where Neo was slammed into a booth. So uh, he took his licks, and all all worth it in the end to get uh, that Keanu Reeves' respect. Yeah, for sure. Um... I know Keenan doesn't have Instagram because I was going to send something to him the other day. If you have a look at uh, Michael Bay's Instagram, he put a clip on there the other day for this new film he's doing, and it looks absolutely mental because you can see him on this little platform filming, and then just some car hurtling through the air and all the camera crew like sprinting out the way of it with <laughs> explosions everywhere, and he's just trotting away like it's just nothing. That is like the most Michael Bay thing ever. Yeah. Do keep telling Keenan he needs to get Instagram. He can at least get us one extra like on each post. <laughs> but he refuses. He's been awfully quiet as well, Keenan has. I'm just keeping things quiet <laughs> for you, as you've asked me to. I haven't no, told you right. to keep quiet. You, I mean, it was genuinely your first request. No, I just said off camera. When, when, when you're not talking. Well, I haven't anything to say, so I've just been quiet. All right. I'll let you uh, get back there. Um, Lawrence Fishburne said that Morpheus was like being Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader in one character still don't really know what that means and I saw that bit of trivia about a week ago yeah I I can't figure out where he's going with that (laughs) (laughs) Um, is it that Vader's a badass and everyone is like hand holding I'm not a clue um Gary Oldman was considered as Morpheus at one point, as well as Samuel L. Jackson. Don't tell Lawrence Fishburne he looks like Samuel L. Jackson, though, because you've seen that clip, I'm sure, of him being quite angry about that. Um, Russell Crowe turned down the role of Morpheus. He said, I just didn't get it. I couldn't even get past page 42 of the script. That world was just not interesting to me. (laughs) Oh God! Some of these what ifs are just ruining Russell the film. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these what ifs, and I think if any one of them were chosen over who they went with, I don't know how I'd feel. I can understand not getting it if you were just reading the script. Gary Oldman can play Morpheus, by the way. I'm not saying he does a better job than Lawrence Fishburne, but just for the record, Gary Oldman can definitely do that. But David Spade. He's in, he's in the bad books after what he did to Tiger. Yeah, he is. Uh, link back to last week. Chow Yun-Fat turned down the role of Morpheus. Could also do it very well. Yeah. Just needs to work on his English, I imagine, which could be an issue. 
I think he speaks perfect English. Does he? Chow Young Fat. I'm pretty sure he, or he even maybe not perfect, but I'm pretty sure he'd be pretty fluent. They should have got him in for that dubbed version of Crouching Tiger then. He could have done, no. done it himself. I might be wrong, but he definitely speaks English in a film called The Bulletproof Monk that came out about two years after this. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> good English. Film. Um, Sean William Scott. Yeah. Carrie Ann Moss found it impossible after the film's release to go out wearing sunglasses as she was instantly recognised. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious, isn't it? That she's more recognisable with yeah. sunglasses on than without. Uh, give, me a, give me a prediction, each. What do you reckon the body count is for this film? No idea. I reckon it'll be quite a lot. Uh, what do you reckon, Jack? I'm going to go... Keenan, are you having a little dance there? No, I just moved my headphones. Moved my phone, sorry. I didn't realise I wasn't on mute. My... <laughs> what do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, I reckon about 61. 39. Yeah. Neo kills 19. Trinity kills 11. Cypher kills 3. Um... I've got a breakdown of the buildings as well, but I don't think you need that. So there we go. There is, uh, there's your trivia. Um, mainly just casting what ifs, which is strange because, uh, there seems to be seem, so many. Like, well, yeah, every week as we go on, it does seem that they're just sending out like deadline day on football manager and they're just yeah. approaching everyone to try and get someone through the door. So there we go. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say um, now, Jack. I, I don't know if this will this will be a disappointment to you. Um, the Matrix. I, I don't dislike it. It's just never really been for me. I, I thought when I gave it the rewatch uh, for this time around, perhaps maybe I didn't understand it when I was younger. I don't. I don't really know what it is. It just doesn't kind of. Uh, Tickle my gooch the way I thought it would. <laughs> I think for me, I, I've got such an affinity with it because, like I said, I watched it over and over and over again as a kid, and it's one of the main contributing factors to my voice being the way it is. <laughs> I think I have to like it, otherwise I'd hate it. Um, I, I think the stunts—I've never seen anything like it before. No, they're that, they're very good. Um, I think. The concept of it that we're all living in like a non-reality, and in fact, the actual reality is a projection of these robots and these um, machines that have taken over the world and farm humans, and they just play this like thing in their mind. And then it's the kind of conundrum where, would you like to come out and know it's well, all no, fight against this the is my issue with the film because. Cypher is the bad guy here. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with him. Could you not have given a hint to say, not just take this pill and open your eyes, say, you will be going into a toxic <laughs> wasteland where you're being hunted by machines and you will never have an enjoyable day of your life again. Yeah, I mean, there is that. Like, the food they eat is shite. Everything is awful. Like... I feel Morpheus should be a bit more open with. What <laughs> he absolutely should be. He's a right scumbag. <laughs> At the same time, though, some people have that 
Like you see the conspiracy theories right now with COVID. They don't want to be controlled by people. They'd rather come out and live miserably and fight against oppression than just go along with it with blissful ignorance. But I don't know. I just think the concept, I mean, it's good versus evil. You don't get a film without good versus evil, especially an action movie. And I think as evil goes, this film's pretty bad. I mean, you see here what usually we, we have our little questions. Would any of you genuinely take the red pill? I would quite happily be blissfully ignorant. Yeah, I'd probably take the blue pill, to be honest. Depends yeah. on how my life's going. If, I, if I'm having a shitter in, if I'm having a shitter anyway. That's not going to make you better. But you yeah, but you take a gamble, don't you? If your life's shit, shit anyway, <laughs> and he's like, look, I'll offer you something different, you go, yeah, right. but if I'm a millionaire in this, in the Matrix and I'm doing bits, then obviously I, I don't really need to change it. You find as well like in the sequels where there's programs in the Matrix that know their programs and they just live like lavish lifestyles and like chateaus in France and stuff. And I, I only think... made it to about halfway through the second, I think. By all Did... accounts, from almost everyone that I've spoken to recently, so I was watching the Matrix, so probably only about six or seven people. Basic summary is first one good. Shame you have to watch the second one to understand the third one, but then the third one's good, or the third one's better. <clears throat> I like the second one because it's a lot more Matrix scenes. Okay. So it's where he knows he's like the one, and he's in the Matrix where he's got all these amazing, like ridiculous powers that are just so fascinating to watch. They like, can fly around. He beats Agent Smith to a pulp like a bazillion times with all his clones. You get the freeway scene where. They're jumping Apparently, all, that's pretty cool. Jumping all over their lorries and trucks and I stuff. I remember that. And that follows on from the chateau scene where Neo just goes in there and just there's weapons all over the wall and just kicks everyone's asses essentially. So I feel that the second one isn't as good storyline wise, but if you just want to watch it for Neo jumping around doing ridiculously cool shit, then it's great. Closer to I, a typical action film type thing. Yeah, so essentially, and then it goes into the third one where. It's like a culmination of what's happening and it's more real world worldy again. You don't see so much of the powers like you do in the second. So um, I think it, the, the CGI didn't age well. Cause no, it, it looked, no, it looked, no, no, no. The first uh, thing that came into my head when I saw it, I thought it looked like um, the the Blue Dabba D video. <laughs> That's what yeah. them scenes of them going around look like. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, I just... I obviously am going to have a biased view on it because I've always loved the film. And I think when you get your head around the concept of it, which is quite an easy concept to wrap your head around. I was going to uh, say, I don't understand this. this, this it's like um, Inception as well. I, never, I didn't get it and it makes me sound like I'm bragging or being arrogant, but it's one of them where it's, oh, it's quite hard to follow. Well, I sat and watched it last night and I was like, okay, this makes complete and utter sense. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I don't think, I don't know if it was designed to be complicated or if it was just such a new idea that like, why people didn't get it. But it's not I think hard, that's right? probably closer. I think that's probably closer. Yeah. To the but, truth, mate, is that it was so different that it was it, it, yeah. it was hard to understand. But like, actually, as a as like a narrative, it's pretty simple. Yeah, hundred percent. Is you this life that you think you're leaving right now is actually just a projection, and you're actually being farmed by 
um, evil robots, essentially. And I will say, sorry, I was going to say it's part of the trivia, but I said there's a lot of um, a lot of dialogue explaining what's happening. It's fucking half the film. Yeah, it, it ain't hard. They, they, I mean, they literally signpost you. They, they lead you down the garden path. Garden, garden path. No worries. Yeah. Half the film is someone explaining what what's happening. You, yeah, you've got to think um, with what you said there about kind of the understanding of it. And I know we weren't um, kind of watching these kind of films back then, but the action films that are coming out in this kind of era, the uh, Total Recall, Independence Day, Terminator 2, where even when it is sci-fi, it is pretty in your face, like you know what's going on. It's not mm. particularly complex. Mm. It's a pretty simple plot with some more explosions added in and maybe a ray Possibly gun or something. Possibly a robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, even the concept of it, just reading the synopsis makes it sound a bit more complex than what we were getting. And I think there probably is an element of it that was purposely trying to be complex. The fact that it's taking them this long, um, the fact they've got so many kind of textbooks that they were recommending around the outside of it. They obviously did feel that there was a certain level to it and they wanted to have this conversation where is it better to be blissfully unaware or would you rather see the truth even if it's not what you want to see? Yeah. And they achieved it, obviously, because, as you said, the Matrix became a thing in itself. The red pill, red pill, blue pill became a thing in itself, even though most people you ask wouldn't know whether the red pill's the right one to take or the, the blue pill and which one it equates to. But everything there, it did certainly go into the culture and this probably is a bit of an outlier because even when you look at early 2000s action movies, it's not like this came in, changed the game, and suddenly everyone was doing complex this, that. You're still very much carried on one and the same. It maybe yeah. just showed that it is possible to do something a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, I... I agree, and I think it was the perfect mix of martial arts but action still, where some people are into martial arts films where it's just a constant fight. A bit like Crouching Tiger, like we're into that, whereas some people want other stuff in their movies as well, and I think this is a perfect marriage of both, um, like kind of kung fu, but action diving around with guns and just all-out mayhem when especially when Morpheus jumps onto that helicopter. Yeah. Like, so, just in the minigun as well. And it's just all-out carnage, essentially. So one of the one of the critiques is um, that, obviously, they need the twist of it being Cypher that's going to stab them in the back and then twist it to when they're kind of integrated and the agents can have their shot at getting Neo. Um, they don't really give you an explanation in the film as to how Cypher finds himself in that situation without raising any alarms to anyone. And I did go back and rewind after I saw it because I thought maybe I'd missed something. Um, I do usually save the fan theories for the end, but I thought this one would fit in quite well here. Um, and there's quite a popular theory um, floating around that say, the lady in the red dress is kind of the connector here. So they say, 
One of the most puzzling things in the Matrix is how Cypher is able to meet up with the agent to betray the rest of his crew. Seems like it would be difficult to plug yourself into this simulation using a standard setup, and someone would surely notice him broadcasting a signal. It's clear Mouse is open to the idea of letting the rest of the crew spend time with his female creation, as he asks Neo if he wants him to arrange a meeting. Cypher may have taken Mouse up on his offer as a way of getting plugged in. He could then load himself into the Matrix without raising suspicions or being detected, possibly having asked Mouse to not watch over the proceedings so he can have some privacy. This freed up some time for Cypher to then meet up with Agent Smith and arrange his scheme. In terms of fan theories, this isn't the Grey connecting with John Wick connecting with Taken. If that was how they did do it in the film and you saw that, you wouldn't say that that was beyond the realms of no. how the rest of the film went. Agreed. Yeah, I think that actually... I don't know why they don't explain that, because it, it seems an oversight in a film that, as Keenan said, quite literally explained everything for you. Yeah. To not To not explain that, unless it was kind of, look, you're going to accept it regardless. We just need to get from A to B so we can get carry on with the path to C. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's like a runtime type thing as well, isn't it? Where does that add to the film? No. There's... No, but I mean, if you're already having the runtime, you do. And I think it feels a bit longer than it is, but that is because of the explanation and it's not as mindless as uh, a lot of other action films. So mm. you are kind of feeling every minute. It would have made more sense to explain that, but as you say, in, in the, my my criticism of the film isn't because there isn't that connecting scene i just kind of accept it and you're like right he's a bad guy yeah let's carry on with the film he does play a great villain as well by the way i I much prefer him he's got a snide face and he's great at it in the sopranos if i don't know if you've got there yet jack i haven't got there yet no when you when you do see him in the sopranos he he's going to be one of them who you hate but you also don't want to go anywhere because yeah. you enjoy having him around. So he he is very good, but he's essentially put in films as being a wisecracker, basically, isn't he? <laughs> His face, he's just got that smugness <laughs> to just dip those lines in and out. Yeah, he's not going to be your main man. 70 years old now, by the way. Still going strong. Yeah, fair play. And he's been in over 150 films, TV shows, and theatre productions. So this is a man that loves the business. Journey. Yeah. Well, he's been in some some great stuff as well. I don't know if it's a case of if you throw enough shit at the wall or if he is just really good at picking his productions that he's going to be a part of. Or he's got a great agent that just reads all these scripts and is like, (laughs) this one is going to be big, I'm telling you. I need his agent. Do you think you could be that in Entourage, Keenan? Be the E. Have a read of the scripts and know this one's going to be a smasher. 100%. Do you think you'd be reeled in, though? Nah, I'd be I'd be meant, mate. I probably yeah, would be one or two passion projects that I would do accidentally shout my boy down the river on. But for the old, I think I'd, I think I'd do a decent job. If you if you get... So say the Matrix is on the table for you, but then on the other hand, there's... Like the next Michael Bay and you just see these bits in the script that just says giant explosion fills the screen and you're just <laughs> going to be there's charmed. Nothing, 
Michael, I will. I mean, I will be. Yeah, but Michael, in the <laughs> next Michael Bay, you you'd still be doing well at that. Like Will Smith in the World yeah, World yeah. I, that, that's I actually just, just a clanger. My thing was going to be. I thought if I say Michael Bay in that situation, then that's not exactly uh, not the worst weird um, choice to, to be taken. No, you you do take that. I mean, I don't know. Just think, like I don't, I genuinely, I think about this all the time because it, it's like I think that Will Smith and Matrix thing as well. It's got to be one of like the most well-known pieces of trivia about. Yeah, it's everywhere. But I genuinely think if I was in his shoes and you offered me a film, a character like a western, and then you offered me the Matrix, I probably, I will honestly admit, I'd probably take Wild Wild West. And it goes on to be one of the biggest flops in cinema history. It goes on, to, but I mean. Will Smith recovered and B. Yeah. Unless he's got points on the film, who gives a fuck? They've already paid him. Like, he might, he would have made more money on the back end of two and three. Yeah, sure. But for the, for Wild Wild West as it was, he got paid. I saw a thing earlier. I saw a tweet and it's, we've, we said similar on this podcast before in this bracket alone, let alone um, other standard spitballing pods or whatever. And someone was making the point about, bad movies and they were saying people need to understand for it to be a truly bad movie it needs to be made with the premise that it was going to be great like these ones that are made with all intentions of being a blockbuster which is why Batman and Robin is so hated because they quite clearly didn't see I saw a tweet about most this other about people felt they were seeing huh? I saw a tweet about this exact same thing about an hour ago. Yeah. It might have been you who would like that, actually. Oh, yeah, I probably liked it, yeah. It was Red Flag, the battle rapper. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, that spammed me, then. I was like, I've read this today. Yeah. You mentioned a bit on the pod, sorry, mate. Yeah, it, it just made me think earlier, because it is so true, because these films like Hot Tub Time Machine 2, which is another one we've spoken about recently, isn't a blockbuster. A lot of people say it's a bad film. We're we're, we're fans of it, but mm. it doesn't go down in like the bad movie Hall of Fame because it's what you expect. They were making I, a film about a hot tub time machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's never going to be. It's never going to be the next Travol film. So yeah, no, I get it. I do get it, and I do think it's a very good point. Films that take themselves seriously. It works in the favour of Face Off that we did last week. That film, I don't believe, is meant to take itself seriously. No, exactly. <laughs> like. I, I I think the two actors in it take themselves seriously, but I I, I actually struggle. That to adds to the it. appeal of them, really. It does, but because <laughs> Travolta fro- fucking throws himself into that in the second half of that film. <laughs> Once that he throws himself in at the deep end, and it is great for it because he could have half-assed it, and it would have been. Like, I get I get why it's a fucking ridiculous premise. Why it just show up and take the money, but he fully throws it, fully submit like submerges himself, and it's brilliant. Yeah. But the guys writing that film, one of them, I just think, you can't be like, this is going to be the next big thing, right? No. <laughs> well, I mean, on, on to rewatchability, if we go through the categories. And Jack, I mean, I think you've made your stats pretty clear on here. If you're watching it on a weekly basis, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's uh, rewatchable for you. Yeah, for me, there, there's a bit too much in between what I would be rewatching for. So it's kind of like eight mile. Most people, if they're tuning that in, they're tuning it in for the last 15 minutes where he has the, the three battles back to back. 
Whereas you could probably do without seeing him and Brittany Murphy running off around the subway, him hating his mum in terms of the rewatchability. So there's more of a scene. And for this, if I'm tuning in, and I'm probably tuning in for the opening scene, um, I really like the scene of where the agents come to his office and obviously all of the combat scenes kind of in between. But once you know the concept of the Matrix, I'm not sure how many times I need to hear kind of the explanation of it. So in terms of rewatchability, it wouldn't be up there for me. What about you, Keenan? I really, like I said, I'd never seen this in its entirety. I'd seen bits. I fully expected to hate this. So did I, I really, expect yeah, you to hate it. Yeah, I get it. I, I see. I, I told it many other people that I've asked about The Matrix. They were like, you will not like it. I actually liked it far more than I thought. And I don't know if that's because I was pleasantly surprised because I thought I was going to hate it, if that makes sense. So you, I don't got know reverse, good... you got reverse dreaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my expectations were so low, even if I were to score it like a... I'm not saying I do, but if I score it a 5 out of 10, for example, that is far higher then I thought I was going to would score it. So I've actually ended up pleasantly pleased with it to the point that last night, as I finished the first one, I was genuinely weighing up whether or not I would watch the trilogy. They're all on Amazon Prime if uh, they, they, they you fancy it. It's, um, worth, I, it's worth watching. I, I would recommend I was weighing, Now that I've got over the phenomenon of having seen it for the first time and I've digested it, I don't think I'm in the bother. Because I didn't think... I didn't, I wouldn't say it was a great film, but I'm not raving about it. But <laughs> we can't really hear what you're saying, Keenan. You're, you're rustling oh, over sorry. your own voice. Oh, my God. Any clearer? Yeah. Sorry, my head fell. Tell me you were dancing while you were saying it. No, I'm laying in bed, just chilling. Um, the, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going, going to, but in terms of a rewatch, it's not, not going to be a very high on the list, I'll be honest. It's, it's quite a long film. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. There's a lot of I I texted you last night, didn't I? I was like, there's a lot of slow patches. Yeah, which, in fairness, you can't really make the Matrix without that, so it's not even... No, I I get that, but if the the concept was something that I bought into wholly, like, I can can deal with that. Like, there are slow slow stretches in Goodfellas, and, like, these are just films that I love. There's slow stretches in Scarface as a long film, um... But if it's a concept that I love, you could deal with that because you're still engrossed. What similar TK texts me in in, in the week. Um, I said he's been watching along with them, and um, he said to me, "Seems an odd thing to say because they're good and obviously very successful. Yet I feel it's such a good concept that they could have done them even better." Uh, I mean, maybe. I, so I mean, the actual idea. Of it, it is really it's interesting and it's it was groundbreaking etc. But I I don't I'm not necessarily I, I'm not in love with the idea in any way in any way at all. So it's not something that speaks to me enough for me to forgive the holes in the film. What if it's um, you're happily settled down with Margot Robbie and then Morpheus comes to you and he says, look. She has been cheating on you since the start. If you if you take this pill, then we'll we'll get you out nice and clean. But if if you take this pill, we can just pretend this never happened. You'll <laughs> never know, and you can carry on being blissfully unaware. So I'm not aware that she's cheating on me. Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's run it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
be like the, if if more if is this what the new Morpheus film is going to be about? Because I know there is a Matrix Four coming, and I'm pretty sure there's a Morpheus origin film coming. I did not know that. Yeah, I knew that was um, Matrix Four. If Morpheus fancies this, then it can be another one that's tagged on to the spitballing pod uh, movie magic because I'm still expecting to field some phone calls after our uh, recommendations to face off last week. Honestly, when are people going to give us our shot? Just give the four of us a hundred million. We'll make you a film. (laughs) Sean would have to turn up for that to happen. Yeah, that's fine, but... We, we, we'll just take him as a consultant, but give us 100 mil, we'll make you a film, we'll smash it, job done. More pie for us. Exactly. Um, I don't know if it's Lawrence Fishburne returning, by the way, so I don't know if that dampens any in the origin story, right? Well, you know, they've got this software now, haven't they, where they just plug you in and put a little Instagram filter on you. I suppose. I mean, I assume you'll be in The Matrix 4. Yeah, I think but... so. Um, best quote if we uh, go through them I, I, I had a couple down um, what are you trying to tell me that I can dodge bullets and then he's, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready you won't need to which obviously plays out at the end of the film but yeah, that is very cool that is cool did you think it was cheesy the whole I'm dead and then I get a kiss on my lifeless body and suddenly I'm back in business I mean, the film was a bit above all, that. Yeah, I I've been saying this all day. Funnily, funnily enough, mate, I've been saying this. I was like, the ending, the bit above it, isn't it? Right. I, I think so. If you watch the trilogy, it makes it a lot more understandable. So, like, the power of his love for Trinity is what basically powers him through the next two films. Essentially, I'm not. Just in case she says about the Oracle, them. doesn't she, where she says they said that the one I love was the one kind of thing. So Yeah, exactly. And then at the end of the third film, the ending of that, so I'm not going to ruin it if you haven't seen it already, but and the second one for that matter, I believe, as well. Um, obviously, yeah, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it, the power of love becomes more apparent through it and it drives different storylines and stuff so it is needed it just but sort it, of verges away from everything the film's due, due to be about and like, it is che- cheesy is the word I've used it just makes it takes away a lot away and I'm not saying that to be callous or, or cold but in terms of it becoming a love, star- love story yeah, fair enough well, originally um, sorry no go on. I was going to say originally um, they weren't necessarily going to have any other films because it took such a budget to uh get here there's a bit of a, a an urban legend kind of around the making of this film where they tried to cut the budget for the film down almost in half about a week before shooting so the Wachowskis went out of their way to spend as much money as possible and spent 10 million on the opening scene and so in turn that actually impressed the people find out in the film and they went on to give them an even bigger budget but uh, the Wachowskis have been asked about it a few times and they kind of smile it off. So I don't yeah. know if that's one of those stories that's better if we don't know the whole truth. Although financing the Matrix on a cut price budget would seem a very strange way to go about things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is a lot of cheap sci-fi, there really is. But I think for something like this, when you 
it's one of these that needs needs the money, right? Because you need you know, to want the effects to be done properly. Lord of the Rings originally was going to be one film, and then they actually got scripts written up for it to be only two films, Jack. And basically, any dialogue you see that isn't directly influencing Frodo getting to Mordor was cut out. So it was just going to be two films, and that was it. What? And then, yeah. And then uh, Peter Jackson fought for it and eventually convinced uh, Harvey Weinstein, who was the man with the checkbook. So what are they, how are they going to do it? Because it's, it's three books, right? Yeah, they were going to do it so... Um, well, you, you haven't seen all the films, have you, Keenan? So I won't no. really make much sense for me to tell you. There's an article that I can send you, Jack, because I mean, it won't make too much sense in the podcast here, but where they split up, essentially, what was going to be in each film. And they yeah. say it was going to be like your traditional action movie where anything that wasn't being used as a plot device to get to the next stage, it was essentially further the plot significantly was axed and that was how things were going to go. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they quite literally had uh, the two scripts made up and ready to go. Um, so I've taken some trivia there from Lord of the Rings, which could be in the next bracket, so... Not a deal there. Mm-hmm. If we go back back to the quotes, what's your standout for you, Jack? Any in particular? Um, dodge this Trinity <laughs> to one of the agents. I thought, nice, nice. It's one of those cool the agents. Quotes. Is it just that kind of the the fear of there was the tales wasn't there where every person that's gone face to face with an with an agent um, has died. Yeah, and everything because it, it does seem whether it's like. Barca bringing Messi on and suddenly the rest of the team yeah. has confidence. Like, they ascertain that Neo is the one and they're like, right, we can take these on now, boys. Well, yeah, essentially, I imagine it's a bit of that. It's a program, isn't it, that knows how to bend the Matrix to do whatever it wants to do. That's how they move so quickly. Yeah. So you can't, you can't shoot them and then they're just too fast and too powerful and beat you up. Whereas Neo doesn't bend the rules of the Matrix, he breaks them and creates his own, so that's why he just nails all the agents, and that's why he's such a threat. But it, I guess... There's another theory which didn't mean much to me, having not seen all three films, that says that um, Agent Smith is actually the chosen one. No, no, watch the... Well, actually... It's a, it's a really, really long-winded one, which... Yeah, so it won't make much sense to anyone outside of being like a Matrix super fan, it seems. So basically, I mean, are you going to watch? Is anyone going to watch the rest of the trilogy? I probably will do. I've been watching a film a night at the moment, so. So do you want me to give you the basic premise of what the Matrix? Save it. Save it for uh, potentially the next round because we do talk about sequels as part of our round two. So yeah, all right, no worries. That's fine. We'll do that. Um. To deny our own impulses is to deny the very thing that makes us human. Yeah, very true. Very true. I've contacted him for an interview as well. Hopefully he doesn't big time us. My man, Mouse. <laughs> uh, so what do you need besides a miracle? Guns. Lots of guns. Not... I like it when he has his Kung Fu training thing downloaded. He's like, I know Kung Fu. It just <laughs> goes mental. Doing that little, uh, come here. Yeah, come at me. Fucking hand, whatever it is. 
Like JB explaining fingering. Yeah, a curly finger. It's taken me. I like the little back and forth with Morpheus and Neo where he says, uh, you know, the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he's expecting to wake up. Um, Do you believe in fate? He said, I don't like the idea because I'm not in control of my life. I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life was a good little exchange. Yeah, I kind of, Morpheus could have his entire dialogue put down as good quotes, really, because... But Neo, sooner or later you're going to realise, just as I did, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. and Just bits like that. Do the exchange of a more... Sensei. Yeah, he's just a walking quote factory. And uh, we're willing to wipe the slate clean, give you a fresh start. All that we're asking you in return is your cooperation in bringing a known terrorist to justice. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal, but I think I may have a better one. How about I give you the finger? That Keanu <laughs> charm seeping yeah. through. He does give it his woe in it as well, doesn't it? His uh, patented line when he does the jump for the first time. Yeah, the crane jump. Yeah. Any quotes from you, Keenan? Not other than the ones you've just covered. Obviously, the whole blue pill, red pill speech. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that is the sound of inevitability. That is the sound of your death. Goodbye, Mr. Anderson. Which is nice because then he says my name is Neil and becomes forever more known as Neil, one would assume. So he does actually say goodbye to Mr. Anderson at that point. The way my memory had gone and where I hadn't seen it in that long, um, I thought Neil was Mr. Anderson because I could just hear in my head the voice saying Mr. Anderson. And that was (laughs) about a hit from the Matrix. So (laughs) it did spin me out briefly. Neil is Um, Mr. Anderson, right? Sorry, uh, I thought the agents were all uh, Mr. Anderson's. Oh, right. okay. Sorry, I was yeah. going to say. Um, yeah, I confused myself. Um, what, what's the, the best scene for you, Jack? Oh, um, I was always, when I turned it on, I always looked forward to the fight scene where he goes into the lobby, where he goes through the metal detector and I just opens up his jacket. He's got guns on guns. They just fights out with all their SWAT team in there. That's like up there. I think yeah. the original fight scene with Morpheus, just after he'd learned how to, um, well, had his Kung Fu downloaded and he's in that dojo thing. <clears throat> That's up there. Um, the scene where in the subway with Agent Smith. I mean, there's just tons. It's hard to choose, but. I think His I'm, mouth being taken away, getting mad maxed. Yeah, that and that weird trace of the tracker thing you put in the belly button. I used to freak Oh, that was horrible. That is so minging, isn't it? It's um, like them bugs in the mummy. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, Do you remember uh, thinking that could be a genuine concern for me in life, those bugs in the mummy? Yeah. Fortunately. It, it, fortunately it's a lot like the, the quicksand in cockroach. <laughs> I thought I was going to come across a lot of those more than I was in later life. And lava. Yeah, and lava as well, yeah. Um, and What's tidal waves. Your... Sorry? And tidal yeah. waves. But I think really my favourite scene has to be when Morpheus gets himself off that chair, screams, breaks his handcuffs and just runs and jumps into the <laughs> out the window. That's just... What about you, Keenan? Um, yeah, that I think it's probably split into two scenes, right? But Jack's right, the lobby bit, and then followed up with the, the whole, I've got a fucking minigun now. Yeah. Just light, lighting people up and then the, the helicopter crash and, and so on. 
Uh, that, that's probably the best. It's probably, what's it? it's, probably it's probably 10, 12, 15, 10, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Those the rest of the... Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Try and make one. I was going to say, the rest of the categories, if we do when we do the uh, judging. So if we go on to the last Boy Scout, so synopsis. A private detective's protected female witness is murdered, prompting him and the victim's boyfriend to investigate the crime that leads to a corrupt politician and a crooked football team owner. I hadn't seen this before. You'd not seen this before, had you, Jack? No, first time. And you had, hadn't you, Keenan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis, doing Bruce Willis. I have never thought this more until I rewatched this film. I said to my dad the other night, I was like, was there no one else who could, who could have a drink and smoke a fag in the 90s? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. every, every, every fucking character, he's, a cop, he's some form of copper, right? Uh, who's got a drink problem. And like, I mean, he's really good at it. He's probably got an Irish name somewhere. Hallam Bat, or not really an Irish name in this case, but Joe, uh, Barry yeah. and he lo- loves a drink and he's got a fag in his mouth at all times. I swear to fuck, I could have been Bruce Willis in the 90s. <laughs> Wisecracking. Do you have the charm that Bruce does? That uh, half smirk. No, God, no. I've got a crooked smile, if if anything. But I can't do the facial charm. But wisecracking, I can I can crack a joke. No drama. I uh, want to see you with a shaved head like that as well. Mate, the way my airline's running back, it won't be long. <laughs> Don't worry. I reckon I've got less than ten haircuts left before it's got to be one of them jobs. <laughs> uh, that time between the two interviews where it looked like if you, you did have a checklist and you were saving them of not getting this cut for nothing. Oh mate, yeah, in the, between the two lockdowns, yeah, I know it's terrible. It's quite fun though if you go back and rewatch the interviews, you can just. It's almost like watching my descent into madness. The, the, beard, the beard and hair just get longer and longer. Um, yeah, it's not great, but yeah, it's, it's, I won't be far off the bold head now. I can tell you, I reckon pre thirty, I'll be bold. What, what do you reckon the critics thought of this? Slated it. I reckon they. I reckon at least two of them say it's, it's Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis. <laughs> I don't have that, but I'll, I'll give you what we do have: uh, a few big laughs, a lot of big explosions, and a ripping climax to boot. It's a slick, dumb. Exciting, implausible, surprising movie told quickly and cleanly. Everything seems mechanical, forced and contrived. Formulaic from start to finish. About two there, probably somewhat what I expected to see. Um, A slick, big-budget exploitation movie that's preposterous, foul-mouthed and gratuitously violent, but also a great deal of fun. Ludicrous, but undeniably fun, hardcore action. Overblown rubbish with nothing to hang on to save the opening football field scene. The movie has a lot of laughs. Its action sequences are thrilling. Its surprises are startling. And it shows a real ingenuity in the ways by which it gets Willis into and out of trouble. And finally, delivers the goods for action fans and has some very funny moments. But there's the nagging sense that it could have been better. Which of those do you think sums it up best for you, Jack? I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting going into it. I mean, I thought it was good. I enjoyed watching it. Did I think it could be better? Probably. I think it had the air of me of a 90s action movie, which is very overdone in that sense. I don't know if it's because 
it was one of the first of its kind and then there was loads of copies of it or whatever but it's kind of like ex-cop investigates something that caused him to lose his job in the first place um he writes a few wrongs his wife then loves him again afterwards after they don't get on to start with and their kid now accepts him i think it was that in like a big budget end that didn't make a whole lot of sense like marlo's not surviving that car crash but he needed to be alive and it but i also enjoyed watching it is it's so weird i'm so i could be a hypercritical of it here but i really enjoyed watching it which which kid showed better growth um the one in face off or in this growth as in as a as a a character development uh i think in i think this i think the girl was she doesn't apologize for shooting her dad in this no, she doesn't. I mean, I got annoyed by the girl in Face Off. She did my head in. Um, whereas this girl was wisecracking. A bit like a mini Bruce Willis. It was, it was cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what, again, I don't know what I was, I don't feel a chemistry between Willis and I don't know the other guy's name. Damon Wayans. Yeah. I, it was good, but I think he's been I'm going to give you a bit on that now, actually. Um, it did spin me because for some reason in my head I had it down as Martin Lawrence. So yeah, same. I was a bit confused when I put it on. Um, <laughs> this is Tony Scott who does have a couple of films in this bracket because he's also the man behind Man on Fire as well. So yeah, and Enemy of the State. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take you into the trivia and it seems everyone had a horrible time making this. So. Although they play buddies in the film, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans actually hated working with each other. See, I could tell um, that. Like, <laughs> you, you can see that come through on screen. I think that's why I, I found it so, like, it, this isn't quite right. Something's off. It doesn't, it doesn't end there. So assistant director James W. Scotchdepole, which is a great name, later mm. recalled how some of the production problems were caused due to the overabundance of alpha males on that project. Uh, he said in an interview that Bruce was was at the start at the height of his stardom. So was Joel Silver. So was Tony Scott. So was Shane. He says there are a lot of people who had a lot of opinions about what to do. There were some heated early nineties testosterone charged personalities on the line. It was a charged environment. That's all I'll say. Um, Tony Scott hated working with producer Joel Silver so much that he based the character Lee Donowitz, a movie producer and cocaine user and dealer, in his next movie, True Romance, and made sure that he looked exactly like Joel Silver does. <laughs> um, a riot nearly occurred during filmmaking. Um, hundreds of extras were recalled for a second day of shooting, but a last-minute decision was made to cancel the recall. The extras weren't informed of the decision. They turned up expecting a day of work. They were then turned away and refused pay by the production. So um, as they got more and more wild, they actually had to call riot police to the set to disperse the crowd. What? <laughs> All these angry extras. <laughs> That's amazing. Composer Michael Kamen hated the film when he saw it, and the only reason he provided the score was out of his personal friendships with Bruce Willis and Joel Silver. If you remember, actually, when we did... Um, Die Hard 3 we did say on there the fact the way the reason that they got that script was because Bruce Willis and Joel Silver had fallen out so he took it essentially so they couldn't keep it for lethal weapon uh-huh. and so it, 
probably ties up that a lot of that friction happened on this set. Um, in a New Yorker profile, Joel Silver said that the making of this film was one of the three worst experiences of his life. Tony Scott also spoke out about how miserable production was, it, largely because sorry, no, like, literally, it says literally, Silver and Willis took over the production. They altered parts of Shane Black's script and made him shoot scenes he hated under threat of being fired and having to forfeit his salary. This is hell. This is like <laughs> hell. Well, you can see why there was pressure. It says with this film, Shane Black became the first writer to sell a spec script for one million. Um, according to Time magazine, he was originally offered 2.25 million by Carolco Pictures, but decided to go with Warner for the lower but still record-setting bid of 1.75 million, so that he could work with Joel Silver, as he did with uh, Lethal Weapon. Um, this record stood for 67 days until Carolco took their money elsewhere and purchased a screenplay, which became Basic Instinct for three million. So. They didn't panic by when they when they lost the bid. Yeah. Shane Black and Tony Scott both said in later years that the original script was far better than the film. Danielle Harris, who played Bruce Willis's daughter, said in 2018 that this is still one of her favourite roles. Um, Billy Cole's last words, uh, Ain't Life a Bitch Before Committing Suicide, were originally, I'm going to Disneyland, a common phrase among Super Bowl winners. The movie that Darian is watching on the TV, if you noticed, is uh, Lethal Weapon. So written by Shane Black, produced by Joel Silver. And they're watching the scene in which Mel Gibson's being tortured. I did not clock that. Yeah. Joe Hallenbach is physically assaulted 12 times throughout the movie. Seven times he's hit in the face, three times hit on the back of the head, once tasered and once stabbed. So he went through he, the ringer. He is hard as nails, Brian. <laughs> Uh, the one thing about this this show, um, this show, this film, that he's fucking nails. Or when he punches that guy's nose so hard, it kills it. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, they definitely listened to uh, Shook Ones by Mob Deep and just wanted to recreate that. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was the first choice for the part of Joe Hallenbeck. Another I, guy I, who I, could or... play a grisly cop <laughs> with drink issues. I just thought that um, Jack Nicholson would have done well as that. Um, is it Capone? Cologne? Yeah, yeah. Malone, Nicholson I... and Damon Wayne would have been a weirder combo. Yeah, yeah Marcone, yeah. That's it, Marcone. Yeah, he would have, I actually thought he styled his hair just like Jack Nicholson. Whereas, like, it's going thin on top, but he's, like, spiked it up at the sides. I can't picture Nicholson in a buddy cop drama. Mm. grittier versions as a PI though right? or as a private yeah this is a, this isn't yeah, gritty this is kind of I think it, the whole hand. thing is the is on the the reason they paid that much for the script was because of the wisecracking and all of that business but he, he can do gritty whilst cracking wise I mean it's Jack it's Jack Nicholson he can do literally whatever he wants um, but I think I, I think he I think he could have pulled it off whether you're right and whether the duo that particular duo works as well I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, the word fuck is used 102 times. And do you think the body count is more or less than the Matrix? Less? Yeah, I'm going left. Yeah, 27 on this one. 12 less. It's actually more than I thought. 
Nice to admit. I wouldn't. I would 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 have been. I would have been placing it around eighteen to twenty. I do have a body cast, but most of them are taken out by explosions. Hmm. Yeah, I think the scene at the end where you know, like there's just a showdown and everyone has guns, but he throws that pellet into the fire and it explodes, and then they have ensues. That adds um, a lot to it. Joe kills nine. Jimmy kills three. Um, and then you've got four die in the Coliseum, two die in traffic, uh, one dies in Marcone's house, two die in the factory, three in the street. So it's essentially just different explosions throughout that wipe out the other people that you see. Halle Berry obviously, uh, gets iced, which caught me off guard. Mm. Once you see her in a film, you assume she's going to be in it for the long haul. Mm. And, Next thing you know, did she peak here? Halle Berry? Yeah. No, X-Men, right? Oh, I mean, is she at a physical peak? Yeah, so did I. I think she looked better in this than an X-Men. Okay. As a uh, patriot, will Jack say it's die another day? Say mate. As a, as a uh, patriot, will you say that Halle Berry peaked in die another day? The good old British right, it's bond. It's, it's, Awful. It's, Awful red jumpsuit. It, and then she went on. Sorry, man. No, I was just going to say that I paused it to go and get a drink, and then it came up on Amazon, so I had to rent it. And it said like Halle Berry is like, hey, what? And I had to like double take, and I didn't even know it was her to start. Did the exact same thing as you, mate. <laughs> there the, was like, a, the exact same. There was a brief period in time, uh, probably early two thousands, where she was kind of the go-to where people kind of using their analogies like for a go on such and such, would you do this awful thing? She briefly, lucky or not, was the uh, go-to name there. I think we did a history of this on the podcast once, which is a weird thing to say about the, the journey it's taken. Cheryl Cole had a brief role in that position. She definitely did. Margot Robbie has also now yep. taken up the mantle. Mila Kunis had probably a year-long yep. space there. Mm-hmm. Beyonce had it for a while. Yeah. Beyonce is one of the outliers. She does seem to just, every time you think she's out, yeah, she pops back in. think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. Um, rewatchability. What do you think, Keenan? Hour 45, this is. I really like this film. But I knew that or this wasn't new to me. I actually already knew that I liked it. Could genuinely wouldn't be very far away from being the best film that Bruce Willis is in. Jeez, or his, his it's best not even the best film in this bracket. His best performance, I should say. You take this over Dial 3? <sighs> Runs it close. Genuinely, I really like this film and I really like him in it. I actually think... Hallenbeck is a better character than John McClane they're essentially the same guy one is a better version of that guy than, than the other uh, what do you reckon Jack for rewatchability uh, yeah I, I don't know I, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it anytime soon I think I've watched it once I enjoyed it once but I don't know if I can watch it again enjoy it the same way because it's not new I I don't know but I think it's just a personal thing for me I just 
it wasn't. I think the chemistry, like I said, on the screen, it makes so much sense all that trivia because I thought there's something not quite right. It just it does. It doesn't fit. Like, I wasn't getting. I'm somewhere in the middle of the, the pair of you, I think, in that I, I did enjoy the film. I think, as I referenced last week, I think if I had a checklist to say what made a film rewatchable, then this probably does tick just about every box. Maybe if you had one kind of standout song in the soundtrack, really, to seal the deal would be, and you'd have the complete set. The thing for me in terms of rewatchability, which I don't think I've said anything like this on here before, is... If I was thinking about rewatching this, I'd probably think of Bruce Willis and then go and watch Die Hard or another Bruce Willis film. Yeah. So, but in terms of kind of the, the bracket and things like that, it would certainly be upper echelon rewatchability. I'm, I'm near certain I you will do watch make it a again. Good point. You yeah, I mean, I'll probably point, think about it and then watch Dard three for the fourth. I was just going to, I was like just like going to say the exact same thing. If you, yeah, if I, if I was going to, if I was thinking, oh, I w- wanted to see Bruce Willis in something, then yeah, Die Hard three would always be my go-to. I'm going to rewatch Looper soon because I really like that at the cinema and I've not rewatched it. I the boy Gordon Levitt in there as well. I've seen it, but I've seen it, but I've not watched it. If it makes sense, it's good. I've, it is good. I've never paid. I, I've seen it. Like on in the background, and it is. I've paid attention to certain bits, but I've never actually sat yeah. and physically watched it and taken it all in. Um, you, you've you've got a lot of wisecracks in your quotes list in here. I mean, Mike saying it just happened, and him saying, "Sure, sure, I know, just happened. Could happen to anybody. It was an accident. Your trip slipped on the floor. Accidentally set your dick in my wife. Whoops! <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mrs. H. I guess this just isn't my week. Yeah. Any of the stand out for you, Jack? That's how I just loaded the notes. Um, oh yeah, hey, you can't be here. You got kicked off the team. How should I be kicked off this fucking planet? And <laughs> this face, how fucking broke me. I was brilliant. I love that. There was loads of quips that were too much to write down. Um, Him saying, "I'll like touch me again, and I'll kill you." And just before he punched his nose into his brain, like that was cool. Um, his. Um, just once I would like to hear you scream in pain and him saying play some rap music it's something I can I can imagine hundreds of thousands of middle aged blokes uttering yeah ch- chuckling out they've pandered to the crowd with that from uh, old Bruce yeah I thought, on what? your finger scale how was my wife <laughs> that yeah. really got me that did that yeah. made me raw um, eat shit you fucking redneck coming from the kid I just I find it hilarious when kids swear. Yeah, I do as well. And it's even funnier saying that. It's just that I was not expecting it. It's brilliant. His um, mum jokes to the uh, alley thug. She's so fat, I had to roll her in flour and look at look look for the wet spot. <laughs> no, she, the one where she was so fat, she wanted her self portraits. So I had to take an aerial photograph. He says, "No, I'm not saying she's fat. Her high school picture was an aerial photograph." That was it, yeah. <laughs> How did you know it was my wife? She told she told me her husband was a big was a big fucking was a big pimp looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Made me chuckle. I like how he's he's literally saved his own life a couple of times. If I'm <laughs> she's like thirteen years old. If you even look at her funny, I'm going to stick an umbrella up her ass and open it. 
when he's got the um, puppet and he's doing the voice. He's yeah. like, where'd, where'd you get that suit, gangsters are ass? <laughs> that was one of them, the second you saw the, the puppet. I'm amazed if anyone watched it, and I mean, you can tell me if, if I'm wrong here, but didn't immediately know there's absolutely a gun in that hand puppet. Yeah. If there was anyone yeah, in the cinema so that was caught off guard, like, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> no, very obvious. Um, but I still liked it. Still funny. Yeah. Still an interesting way to do it. Says, uh, also, if I take someone hostage, not to say I ever will, but if I take someone hostage, right, <laughs> I'm not letting anyone hand them anything that I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking, that's amateur hour. Like, how are you letting it? Oh, yeah, just take this. I don't know what that is. No, you're not having anything in your hands. No, Ridiculous. yeah. Um, where are you going to the bathroom? Uh, do you want to come? The doctor, I shouldn't lift anything heavy. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Uh, Jimmy says to himself, What would Joe do at a time like this? He'd kill everybody and smoke some cigarettes. He's <laughs> just summed up Bruce Willis's character in yeah. one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I figure you got to be the dumbest guy in the world. You're trying to save the life of a man who ruined your career and eventually the death of the guy that fucked your wife. <laughs> that is uh, true. Even after it all, he's just talking. He's how, how long have we been friends? Probably until you started banging my wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he just goes, so you got that address? And he's like, what? what? He's like, 500 notes is still, 500 bucks is still 500 bucks. Yeah. Fair enough. In terms of opening scenes, they don't get much better than this one, do they? This is a big one. You've got your classic football scene in the rain, and then I did not expect a pistol to come out and him to start shooting his way to a touchdown. (laughs) I didn't hear that. I was loving it. If they put that as a little thing in Madden Keen, then I might might have a chance of beating you. Incorrect. I still do. I still, I still want. You still do. If I shoot your field goal kicker and your quarterback, yeah. mate, you've seen that run game. You don't want that work. I'd love to shoot Brady in game. <laughs> Madden sales would go up so much if you could just play Tampa Bay and just whip out a pistol on Brady. What's the best scene for you, Keenan? Uh, I've got two seconds. Sorry, let me open my phone up. You're rustling today. It was like two two steps forward last week and three steps back. Well, is it bad this week, is it? It's been uh, very rustly. You've not said anything. How am I to know? I can't hear it. I didn't like the attitude. I didn't want to ruin the... the um, uh, you didn't want a production, production like the last Boy Scout. Where everyone's like... <laughs> I'd never be upset with him, Jack. I would have come a long time ago. Yeah. Don't worry about that. At this point, he can do pretty much most. Um, going back before we move on quickly, just going back to one of the lines. Yeah. Sorry, guys. So there was obviously I've said a previous podcast where Americans just don't get the concept of paedophilia, and I was trying to explain that Victor Crumb going out with Hermione was wrong because he was nineteen, she was fourteen. And Americans just weren't getting it on this meme website. So, again, a line in this, he's, Milo's taking his daughter hostage. He says, I'll show your daughter what a hot date I can be. <laughs> he's fucking 13 years old. Like, he's a bad guy. That's what bad guys do. But, but, I, bad guys, yes. 
but there's still a line. Like, even when you go to prison, apparently paedophiles obviously are shunned from normal prison society and they're beaten up. So, surely, like, there's worse things you can say, I'm going to kill your daughter, and I'm going to shag your daughter, who's 13. Pretty sick. I'm watching The Wire at the moment, and there's kind of a story he tells about how this woman's a dime that she was going to snitch, and so he lines up and kills it. One of the other guys, the questions asked is, if she's so hot, why don't you sleep with her first? And they're all just disgusted, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that's even, that's, that is this honour amongst thieves or uh, murderers in this case. That That's why it stuck out to me, because like even when you're a bad guy, there's a bad guy code, and like, it is pretty frowned upon, I imagine. But it just comes out with it. I think, I think it just must be okay over there. We need, we need some uh, answers on a postcard for that one, please. I mean, you said about I think Victor it's... Crumb. I mean, essentially, you can attach any negative attribute to a Russian in film, TV or books, and everyone <laughs> does just go along with it. Like they're the only bad people in the world. <laughs> I think in um, this particular case, I think that's used as the ultimate leverage, right? Because he's trying he's get try to want something from him. So he knows what he's saying is awful because it's used as the uh, ultimate leverage. Rationalising nonsense here, Keenan. That's all no, absolutely it's, it's, not. But Jack, non- Jack Ameri- <laughs> Americans don't understand it. In this case, they quite clearly do because he's using what he's saying as the as the ultimate threat or the ultimate leverage against Joe to get him to do what he wants. I guess you're right because if you had a 13 year old daughter, you'd rather be dead than raped. I imagine. I mean, this is a very dark conversation. <laughs> Correct. But, and it is, a, it is a horrendous conversation, but in this case, he's quite clearly using it as the ultimate threat. I've yeah. got your daughter, do what I want, or this is where it, it leads. And it's, it, it's it, it, it essentially goes to work because Joe gives <laughs> up for, for, for a minute and he's like, fuck. Bear this in mind when we get to most maybe menacing should, villain. Maybe I should stop this massive road of destruction that I've been on for this entire film. Maybe this is the wake up call that I needed. He's going through his head. Well, I mean, I ain't being funny. I don't don't have a daughter, but if someone says that to me, one of us ends up dead in the next. <laughs> if you did, yeah. you think you think that would be how you'd feel about it? One one of them, one one of us ends up dead, me or him. I, I it's, it's yeah, it's get rich or die trying time basically. It's she, it's one of them, and in this case, it's obviously Milo who ends up who ends up dead. But that's it, how that that's how that plays out. As soon as someone says that to me, okay, well, I'm now I'm now. Dude, I now have nothing on my mind but I've, putting a fucking bullet in the back of your head. There was a story about um, Russell Simmons, the uh, entrepreneur, Def Jam, all that business. And I, I will say allegedly here, and if I could write it, I'd say it in caps lock because that's not a man you want suing you. <laughs> but um, there was a story about him uh, intimidating a woman. I know he's been accused of rape now by about 15 people. But there was a story about him intimidating a, a woman in front of her son, and he said to her, "I'm either fucking you or him, so it's your choice." Fuck Christ, man! Fuck me! That is, I know it's allegedly, but that's fucking awful. That's allegedly yeah. fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. So, if Russell Simmons wants to be in the new uh, Bruce Willis movie, yeah, he could be onto a winner. Um, I mean, his his Wikipedia has a whole section for sexual misconduct, so I don't think I'm too out of line there telling that uh, alleged story. 
just Wikipedia. a shame that it's related to the legend uh, Rev Run. Mm. I would say knows? Wikipedia, not a great source for if you're going to start. Well, no, Google his name and the first uh, one, two, three, four, five. The first five stories about him are all about uh, sexual assault allegations, and then the next one is his own personal website. So, Jesus, yeah, so a lot of smoke for the fire there. And then the next one is another article about him. So, and he lost the support of Oprah Winfrey. That's not the support you want to lose. No. So, Keenan, what was the best scene for you? I think it's the shootout in the stadium. Uh, either the stadium scene where he, he, where Milo meet, meets his end, or before that, where they've got the the shotgun shell. That shootout there. What about you, Jack? Uh, yeah, I think it's probably that one too. Um, right at the end where he throws that plastic explosive. Shredder, that's what they call it. Okay, well, it's called them splinters, but it's called Shredder, sorry. That was it. Yeah. Mine's was... the uh, alley, him dropping the mum jokes and then uh, shooting his way out of there. Big old Bruce. Oh, there's another quote. When uh, da- when Damon Wayne says, uh, if anyone touches you, I'll bitch slap him, which makes me chuckle. I haven't heard I haven't heard anyone say the word bitch slap in a very long time. Damon Wayne's be, being in this. Um, it, it seems I don't know if it's if it's an odd choice or not. I'm just going to have a little look just to see. I mean, he does. I think after this, he does bulletproof with Adam Sandler as well. Okay, he'd already done. Or was bulletproof before this? Bulletproof might have been after him. Bulletproof ah, okay, okay. Yet. So um, I do remember seeing this actually. He did um, look who's talking too, which if you haven't seen it, you'd remember the poster with the baby on it, and that's with Bruce Willis. So I guess they've just taken the two of them doing voice acting and then put them in here. And they clearly were trying a thing with him because he does do the last action hero. He does do bulletproof as you reference there, Keen, and that's all in the space of a couple of years. So mm. the last action um, hero is that. Um... The last action hero. With short uh, Arnie. Arnie, thank you. So yeah, that's what I was trying to get John to. I, couldn't, I couldn't, th- couldn't think of what it was. That's also not a bad effort, actually. It's not as good as this, but it's not a bad effort. I mean, uh, he was putting that work. My, that might just be my preference for Bruce over Arnie, though, I have to admit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Hmm. Shall we go on to the judging? See how we end up here. All right. Jack, which did you prefer? Matrix. Keenan? The last Boy Scout. I'm with you there too. Keenan, which was more rewatchable for you? The last Boy Scout. I'm with you there as well. What about you, Jack? From Matrix again. Jack, what is the best quote for you? I think as much as I love The Matrix, I think, and I love Morpheus, Morpheus quote, I think I'm going to have to give it to, well, you were kicked off the team, if you want to be kicked off this fucking planet, I've just got me, sent me that one. What about you, Keenan? How was my wife on your finger scale? <laughs> um, and mine's the one I referenced, uh, rolling uh, his mum in flower. <laughs> also, also, um, my favourite 
No, my favourite scene is um, in The Matrix, actually. And it's when uh, Keanu gets the phone call at his desk, he spots the agents, and then has to do that run run through the office. I was thinking while watching that, that even in that situation, I, I was thinking how awkward he must feel like scurrying past the people he works with as if that's the biggest worry he has right now and not the gunman that he knows are after him. But yeah, that that was my favourite scene. I, I did like that. Um, what about you, Jack? Favourite scene is um, about the 15 minutes of the lobby scene and the fight in the Matrix at the end. Keenan? Yeah, it's the same as Jack, mate. Um, MVP. Is it Neo? Is it Morpheus? Is it Bruce? Is it Damon Wayans? I think, for me, it's Neo. He becomes the one. Kills agents that no one has ever done before. Literally no one has ever done that before. He's just uh, the guy. What about you, Keenan? Yeah, it's Neo. Once once you dodge bullets at first, and then, as the quote that came before, you realise that you don't actually have to dodge them. It's tough to not give you MVP. Could have given MVP to the, the bloke that scores a touchdown by way of <laughs> pistol. So, but we'll we'll give it to Nia. Um, most menacing villain, Keenan. I think he's Agent Smith. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the way he says "inevitable," <laughs> it's just brilliant. It is inevitable, Mister Anderson. Him or Thanos? <sighs> just to I- say, inevitable. Um, it's it's really weird because obviously watching Lord of the Rings after this, after seeing him as Agent Smith and now seeing him as Elrond, <laughs> it was such a spinny experience. It just, I just couldn't see Elrond's suit in him. In, it, in my eyes, I don't think it did. Hello? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm silly. I was just, uh, I was just thinking... Out, then. No, no, I was thinking myself as to who I uh, think is, is my pick for the villain. I will agree. Um... It's just odd that we had a whole uh, conversation about what a nonce this villain was and then none of us feel it's bad enough to <laughs> be over a guy trying to kill someone I mean, in he's uh, just, he's, an alternate... The dimension. problem is, <laughs> is, very camp. Very camp, Milo. Very slimy. He's like a mm. slimy little weasel. The, like, Don't get me wrong, the nonce bit is menacing and... So if we said most mincing villain, you'd have been all. Been all <laughs> very, very camp that guy. Um, uh, and you, I just not, wanted to say mincing. It's not. I, I'm not saying it's impossible to be menacing and be camp, but you've got to work extra hard. Well, Hans Gruber does it. See, he's actually he's actually in Friends as well, which is a big like negative mark against his name because yeah, for being like, in that show. Yeah, being. In I'm friends. pretty sure he's in Stuart Little as well. Weirdly, <laughs> what a film. <laughs> That <laughs> was an odd thing, but as I saw him, because I hadn't watched this film in a long time, um, it was another one of them. But I was like, yeah, let's look at Stuart Little. Had you watched Stuart Little recently, or it just came back to you? No, I came from mate. I must have seen Stuart Little umpteen times as a kid. So many times. <laughs> um, who's the best side character for you, Keenan? The, the daughter. What about you, Jack? Morpheus for me. Morpheus I didn't know if character. you could. Yeah, so I didn't know. I didn't think he would hit him, Neo, and Trinity. I would essentially say you're three. The stars. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
So I took I took um, Morpheus out of the equation. In my head, I was probably classing Trinity as a side character more than Morpheus, okay. but Morpheus because he's so integral to things. I I, I, can't, I couldn't give him side um, character. Yeah. Um... But if you're going to give it to Trinity, then I'm not. I'm not giving it to Trinity. I'm. Uh, I'm giving it to. I was giving it to the daughter as well, which yeah, I mean, in the way we've just gone, um, in, is yeah, a great way, voice note to have. In, in, in the way that we're, <laughs> if I could add it, if I could add it, mate. Oh my god, <laughs> no. it can't be better than your voice clip the other week. Still kills me every time I listen to. It. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it to the daughter as well then. <laughs> so if you do, Keenan, just make sure you incriminate Jack as as well as me. Oh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Mate. Although someone at work has re- recently started trying to teach me how to use this thing called Audacity. And that's what I edit the podcast on. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, nice, 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 nice. I, I haven't. I've only had a look at it for very briefly, and I essentially. What are you to being? T- what are you doing on there? Oh, stuff at work. Um, oh. for, like calls and that. I, I really just want re- to. When you record your threats to people, <laughs> you don't give me that damn money now. That's no, not not true at all. Are you deepen your voice a bit. No, I, I I don't really need to do that. Actually, funnily enough, over the phone it comes across. You just Quite turn up anyway. people's doors and that does the job. I definitely don't. Action per minute, Keenan. The last Boy Scout. Jack? I'm going to give it to the Matrix. I think it's the last Boy Scout. I would have said conclusively. Hour 45, you've got half an hour less. Probably more action. I don't know. I, count. I thought there was a bit of lulls in there, like the strip club scene and like just chatting and stuff. But that's why I gave it to the Matrix. Kill count, as we've said, conclusive for the Matrix there. Um, most creative use of weaponry, Jack. I mean, the mind is pretty creative. Where I can just stop <laughs> and slow down time. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then just random paraphernalia, like throwing someone into a wall or a phone booth or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't, it wasn't intended as a weapon, but just the thing going in his belly button felt like a weapon to me when it was being used. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, belly, that was... belly button bug is pretty creative. Uh, what about you, Keenan? Oh, I gave it to the puppet. Right, to be fair. Pretty, uh... Although the belly button thing still takes it for me. <laughs> Keenan, best soundtrack. Yeah. They, like, they, I don't think any of them are special. I think it's probably the Matrix because some of the mu- some of the score in it resonate is more recognisable because it's been u- it's been used in other things and o- overused. So the Matrix would be yeah. most selection. The, the Matrix caught me off guard with the soundtrack because it seemed like the scenes that had the kind of proper soundtracky bits, like where they've actually just taken a song and kind of put it in there. Yeah, felt like in most cases they'd have been like scored but instead they obviously <laughs> heard a particular song and thought the only thing that can make this scene cooler is that little drum solo maybe this is one of them where they were just looking to spend money we've maybe. had a couple of interviews where we spoke to directors and they've been like yeah. music is fucking stupidly expensive so maybe <laughs> it was one of them but yeah I'd agree with the, the matrix there yeah same as me 
originality. Um, Do we I mean, you have to ask? Is anyone, is anyone going for The Last Boy Scout? I feel like the reason we like The Last Boy Scout is because of its lack of originality. <laughs> no, it is, obviously, The, the Matrix. Yeah, Bigger maybe. impact as well, I think, kind we of can does just, it for itself. Yeah. yeah. Ending for me goes to The Last Boy Scout that I, I really didn't like the ending of The Matrix. Oh, I don't like it either. What about you, Jack? I'm still giving it to The Matrix. I think Neo, realising he has these powers, the agents looking like they're going to shit themselves and run away for the first time in the movie. Just liked it. And then he basically the movie ends with him flying through the air. I just think that's wicked. And chemistry uh, is the, the Matrix for me. Yeah, same here. Yes, sir. So that is a 9-6 win for the Matrix going through to the next round. Went in bursts. We had uh, the last Boy Scout off to a 3-0 lead, then 3-3, and 5-3 to the last Boy Scout, and then uh, the Matrix went on a run, taking uh, six of the last seven to seal the deal. Happy days. So the Matrix goes through and that will face the winner of Speed against Kill Bill in round two. So it could be some Keanu on Keanu violence. Completely mm. forgot Kill Bill was in the bracket. Yeah. Na- next week is the last week of round one. It'll also be the uh, wild card announcement. And then, uh, yeah, then we're on to uh, round two business. Can run you Kill through. Bill's so going to be my wild card pick. Round two so far, we've got The Dark Knight against Bad Boys 2, Gladiator against Man on Fire, Casino Royale against Kingsman, Deadpool against 300, Terminator 2 against Edge of Tomorrow, Trading Day against Darb with a Vengeance, Inception versus Face Off, and The Matrix versus The Winner of Speed versus Kill Bill. Happy days. Last couple of bits then, just our points to consider. Real star of the film, is anyone saying it's Anyone other than Keanu Reeves and Bruce Willis? I mean, if someone no. wants to make the case for Lawrence Fishburne, they can, but I won't agree. No, I think it, it's got to be them. Yeah. Gave you the fan theories. Recasting one role, Jack. <clears throat> Jim Carrey is Agent Smith. Uh... Any spring to mind for you, Keenan? No, but I'm really bad at this game, so I'm normally just here to listen to your your theories, to be honest, mate. Um, but I do actually really like the thought of Gary Oldman as Morpheus. Yeah, I, I must agree. I, I really do. That's nothing against Lawrence Fishburne. It's just, I think I've said it on every on, on quite a few pods. I really, 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 really like Gary Oldman. See, the first one that popped into my head, and that's usually what I go for, was a replacement in The Last Boy Scout, and I was replacing Damon Wayans with Michael Pena, but I'm not sure I can have Michael Pena as being an all-star quarterback, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's closer to being a midget than he is quarterback size. Yeah, he's not taking them, he's not taking them hits well. How, how American is it, by the way, that um, being on a horse, by the way, which we haven't even mentioned this, being on a horse and pinging a senator with a football from across the ground. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
best arm in the National League. He tells you that right at the start. Just a being on a horse is good enough in itself. There was no need for it. And, and yet someone has gone, you know what would make this better? Being on a horse and then throwing it. Because he could have made that throw on the ground and it still doesn't take anything away from the scene. But it does certainly add something to it by the fact he is riding a horse. We've also not mentioned the fact that how quickly Jimmy escalates to murder. There's just like, and there's no, like, normally there's some sort of consideration. But in this, he just starts shooting people. Gotta do what you gotta do. I get that. And I do, I do appreciate that. But normally there's some sort of consideration. He's, you know, well, his wife has been, or his wife or his girlfriend has been iced. I get that. But there's like no, cons- <clears throat> no consideration for this guy who's supposed to be reasonably good. Got a gambling problem. Just, it's, it's not just his wife, it is Halle Berry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it as a bad point, but I just remember, remember watching it last night and he just picks up a gun and he's very accurate as well. Yeah. Just starts piecing people that, left, right, and center. Like right. Well, yeah, I mean, it must be absolute dead eye accuracy, mate. He just he starts, <laughs> starts battering people from all ranges. If the cast swapped, which film works best? And why is it The Matrix? Because I want Bruce Willis as Neo. <laughs> Damon Wayans can be Morpheus. His daughter can be Trinity. Mm, now we're edging into dangerous territory again, son. We're in dangerous oh, territory here. It's always said with the, the Equaliser, where he said, look, Chloe Moretz really is old enough for the role, but she's a good actor, so we chuck her in there. Yeah, I mean, when Bruce, when she starts necking Bruce at the end of the film, probably not going to go down too well. It would highlight the ending for what it is, I think, in that case. They'd highlight that we really didn't need this. <laughs> Very good answer. If you could add Tom Cruise or The Rock to each film, which would it be? Give me The Rock as Morpheus. I was just going to say the same, yeah. Give me The Rock as all of the uh, robots. They're all just The Rock. <laughs> all the Sentinels. Yeah. Do they have the same, like, arms? Like, tentacle things? No, just the rocks just floating. <laughs> Tom Cruise fits into the last boy scout pretty nicely. He mm. can do the wisecracks. He has to just take over from a Brucey boy. Yeah, true. Or one of the villains, if he adopts his uh, Tropic played... Thunder methods. Has he ever played a bad guy? Apart from a bad he's, guy? He's, he's, he's the scumbag in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever played a proper villain. evil guy. Though yes. I don't, I don't think I think that's something I can't see him allowing. No. no, some would say he does it with his representation in real life. Satire <laughs> for the podcast, <laughs> and that actually sums things up for the day. So hopefully, the Church of Scientology. Or um, Russell Simmons don't prosecute. If they do, um, I would like to say I speak for the podcast as a whole. Um, Keenan Bonner and Jack Harper are the other names on this episode. <laughs> Just for on a serious note, these opinions are yours. And should it should anything ever happen, I would drop please, you like it's hot. <laughs> please, please accept any laughter at those comments as a cosign. Um, <laughs> 
You really want to know, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, so that that does us. Kill Bill against Speed next week, the last matchup of round one. We'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>